You're listening to the Toot Sleuth Podcast. Hosted by Greg Essenmacher. Welcome to the Tooth Sleuth Podcast, all about the business of dentistry. I'm Greg Essenmacher, your host, and I'm honored you've chosen to spend time with us as I speak with industry leaders on the dental landscape from their perspective. On today's episode, I'm excited to welcome Janet Hagerman. Janet is known as the case acceptance coach for dentists and their teams. An international speaker, author, and consultant, Janet is the author of numerous articles, podcasts, webinars, and the signature book, program, and upcoming video series, I want to make sure we talk about that, Selling Dentistry Ethically, Elegantly, Effectively. A Medical College of Georgia graduate, Janet's experience includes over 30 years of clinical and coaching experience with both solo and small-to-large group practices, and leadership as a corporate director of dental hygiene, managing 100-plus practices. Janet's niche is training dental teams to triple their case acceptance by using soft sales skills, skills applicable to any industry or profession where elegant influence drives sales and relationships rule. Help me welcome Janet. Hi, Janet. How are you today? Hey, Craig. Fantastic. Thank you. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on the show. And I know when we first met, we clicked right away. You know, we talked about helping teams develop relationships and talk about case acceptance, which is both of our lanes for sure. So let, let me start by asking you, so what are some of the common challenges that dental practices face when it comes to case acceptance? Well, for one thing, there's no training for that. The only training that we get for those of us who have had official training education is um, patient education. We're supposed to educate our patients. Um, And patient education, I mean, doesn't work usually because uh, case acceptance is only 30 to 50% in this country. So uh, half of the treatment plans that get presented never come to fruition. And then when you think about the other challenge the other people that are in our practice that have no formal training even, I mean, who has training in communication? And when we spend the majority of our time walking around communicating with our devices, with emojis, and then we expect these people to come in our practice and talk face-to-face with a patient about a treatment plan that could be several to many thousands of dollars, um, this is a special conversation. So it requires some special language and special words and special phrasing. And um, I mean, it's not our team's fault. They're doing the best they can. But those are the big challenges. Either the fact that uh, we don't have a clue to how to talk to somebody because we don't in our normal life, or the training that we've had is for patient education, which is very clinically based. 
Well, and everything that we do seems to be expedited. And I, I love when you talked about the emojis, right? It reminds me of a TV commercial where they come around and they say, well, use your words. And you're like, well, if you haven't taught me how to use my words, but you've taught me all these emojis and they change constantly and everybody's speaking through GIFs or GIFs, depending on which one you want to call it, and emojis, you know, then we have an expectation that they're able to communicate using words about something that can be fairly complex and that can be somewhat scary for patients. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. You know, you're expected to talk to somebody about two of the most inter- intimate things for, to a person. That is what's going on in their mouth and what's going on in their wallet. Right. And trying to connect the two. Absolutely. So in your experience, what are some of the most effective strategies for communicating some of these treatment options to patients? Well, the the first thing is this is a team effort. It's we make the mistake of thinking that case acceptance is the total responsibility of the treatment coordinator or the mm. financial coordinator, whoever the office manager, whoever that person is that actually sits down and presents the treatment. When reality, effectively, it's a whole team involvement. Everything that every person in the practice says and does either pulls the patient toward them or pushes the patient away. Every single thing. So you can have the best treatment coordinator in the world, but if your assistant messes up and and uses language that's a real turnoff, that patient is going to not be in a in, in a place to to hear that treatment plan. So the first thing is the whole team has to be involved and be trained so that so that the patient is prepared. That's probably the major thing. And then, I mean, in my book, in my program, I discuss a lot of different strategies. Um, probably the most important one is that in dentistry, we just talk too much. You know, yeah. Walter Haley, the founder of the old uh, dental boot camp, used to say, if you want to sell, ask, don't tell. Um, so we just talk too much. The brain, as we know, has two sides, the left side and the right side. The right side is creative. The left side is the more logical. And in dentistry, we are a logical industry, a logical business. Um, So we have a tendency to just talk logic. And that's not how buying decisions are made. Um, Study after study after study showed that buying decisions are made with emotion and then justified with logic. And all you have to do is watch a few commercials on TV to see that that, that's true. So how do we do that? You know, how do we connect emotionally with patients so that we can get in a relationship very, very quickly? Yeah, I, you know, I totally identify when you talk about every person in the office. And I think the phrase that you were using is that it either pushes pulls the patient toward them or pushes them away. And I call it the handoff hand up. And it reminds me of, you know, when we're kids and you're trying to help somebody over a fence and you interlock your fingers and you put them together to form like a little web and you let them put their foot in it and you lift them up. So you hand them up, you give them a hand up along the way. And each step of the process from the very first encounter at the front, the front desk in the reception area and the first encounter with whomever's taking them from the reception area to the back and then to the 
doctor and then to the treatment coordinator or financial coordinator or office manager, whoever's presenting the treatment plan. So every step of the way, it can be a hand up through the handoff, or you can break that relationship and there's no <laughs> chance, you know, you get to like de- detailing that. And it really is even more critical in my lane, right? The fixed full arch lane. When the, And I would think, and in your experience, because you have a ton of experience in this area, would you agree, or correct me if I'm wrong, that's okay too, that the larger the case presentation, the, the bigger the dollar amount on the case, the more critical it becomes um, for each of these steps in the process for everyone in the team to be in alignment and help out in order to get to the place where the patient feels most comfortable and most receptive? Well, certainly, yes, uh, from a transactional standpoint, because there's more dollars involved. But from a patient relationship standpoint, um, do you want that patient to be a long-range patient? I mean, what would the dollar amount of that patient be over a period of time? So we live in such a transactional society, not only with our patients, but you know, we all know certainly with, with our team members. And so from a value standpoint and a patient loyalty standpoint, it can be just as important to have that um, handoff, hand up, as you as you call it. So every one of those touch points supports that patient relationship. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because you just taught me something about my focus, right? Because in, in the, building a relationship, absolutely important in my niche, and but it is fairly transactional. If somebody mm-hmm. does a fixed full arch, full mouth rehabilitation, it, it is a one-time event. There is hygiene that's involved to maintain for sure, um, but in the general dentistry world in hygiene, right? The the lifetime uh, value of a patient is much different than mm-hmm. in the world that I work. So thank you for sharing that with me. And I, you know, my listening audience, I know I get a lot of feedback like on social media from people who <laughs> listen on a regular basis. I'm sure they're like, Greg, that was a really dumb comment. Thank you for Janet for saying something. And go ahead, mm-hmm. blow me up on my socials, people, and make the comments. You know, and it's good because I like to learn as well. I appreciate that. And and it is. It's it's so important that. These platforms, it doesn't matter what uh, avenue that we're using, but it's educational for ourselves. That's why we have these venues, the podcasts, the webinars, and and the list of what you're doing, which I think is incredible in the industry. I've seen you on panels, uh, you know, at different uh, you know conferences that we go to. It's sharing from your perspective so others can broaden their knowledge base, and that's what I appreciate so much about what you're doing for the industry. Well, broadening the base, yes, but I mean, ultimately, my goal is that people will walk away from this training and go, wow, this really works. I feel like I'm really connecting on a more individual basis with my patients. And guess what? These strategies work in a lot of other instances as well and in my life and my relationships, because let's face it, you know, I named my book Selling Dentistry because I had dentists that that would ask me, when you come to my practice for training, do you think you could teach my team how to sell dentistry? I know dentistry is walking out the door and I could use help myself. But whatever you do, don't call it sell. So, you know, in dentistry, (laughs) we have this, some people have this resistance to the concept of selling. So what I tried to do was eliminate the stigma of selling and pick out the best pieces of real, what really good salespeople do that create good relationships and incorporate that in, in my training. So, you know, the bottom line is we are always selling. 
whether you're a salesman or whether you're you sell, you know, you, you're a floral designer or a landscaper or or a cook, a chef, you're always selling, you're always using your powers of persuasion. The point is how effective. I mean, when you're trying to convince your kids to do their homework so they can get good grades and go to Disney World. It's the same thing. How good are you are those persuasion skills? So the skills that I teach are so it is something that anybody can learn. It's easy to learn, and it, you don't have to have a personality type. The shyest, quietest people, most demure personalities, can still use the, these techniques very, very successfully. So that's that's my my goal is that people will come away not only learning how to apply this in dentistry but to apply it in the rest of their life too to make make um negotiations if you will easier and more comfortable more elegant and ultimately effective. Well and and I agree with you because that storytelling or what I call story selling every part of our lives, right? So for those of us that are partnered up, right? We did it with our spouse or our boyfriend or our girlfriend, right? We sold ourselves about why are we a good match for you exactly. and a good mate. Or if you go to a restaurant and you really want that corner booth because it's a special occasion, you're selling to the person up front of, you know, you're trying to get it. You're you're selling the occasion to try to get it unless you booked the reservation in advance and you happen to know the owner. But, you know, in every aspect, like you said, or to your kids to try to get them to do something and you do it with a reward system. You know, it's throughout life that we're doing that. So these skills you talk about transferable. Well, so in that vein, so can you share with us, you know, a success story that you had because you've worked with so many practices on these skills, you know, share with us a, a story about a practice you worked with, a dental practice, you know, where some of your coaching really significantly improved and whether it was in their case acceptance rate or just a story that you heard feedback from somebody you worked with and how it really made a significant difference in their life. I'd love to hear one of those. Well, maybe the the best one is kind of generic, but I um I have one of my strategies is called the treatment triad and that is a system for presenting uh comprehensive treatment. In other words, the 0150, the um new what we what we call the new patient exam, but what is clinically the comprehensive uh, evaluation. And in my experience, a lot of I have seen a lot of charts that charted and charged for a comprehensive evaluation, but it was not comprehensive. And I just think that that's because clinicians are reluctant to present comprehensive treatment because they're afraid it's going to turn people off and they're going to freak out and say, you must need a new car. Why didn't my last dentist find all this? So um, I created the treatment triad to break that down easier and more successfully. And I've had um, teams come up to me after for follow-up visits and say, that has worked so well. We we took the, um, the little cheat sheet that you gave us and taped it to the inside of a cupboard to remind us to use that terminology. And we have tripled our case acceptance as a result of that. So that's one of the reasons I call it the um, uh, the triad, because it's got three parts. So that's probably one of the best examples. Yeah. And, you know, it's those tools, it's the resources that are supporting the takeaways after the training and the coaching that you do, I think, that are so important. And 
I'm sure you've seen over the course of your lifetime because you've been doing coaching and really implementation of these strategies for quite a while. What are some of the advances and advancements that you see in the technology? I mean, that has just skyrocketed and it seems to go exponential, the growth (laughs) of dental technology in treatment plans and case presentations and what have you seen that really helps dental teams or what do you do that helps them to stay up to date in being able to share treatment plans and incorporate those um, that sure, you know, we talked about, you know, emojis and, and being, you know, on their devices, but some of them, uh, especially for those more seasoned uh, members of the dental community might not be as adept at those. So what tools do you do and use to help them to stay up to date with some of the tech- dental technology that's out there? Well, artificial intelligence AI is exploding, and I'll speak more to that in a minute. But um, the first one that comes to mind is you can't do anything unless you get the patient in the chair. And we have a lot of patients that will make calls to dental practices but they never schedule an appointment. And there, again, is another opportunity for different languaging. What do you say? What do you not say? To increase your level of patients that actually schedule when they call in. So um, uh, patient prism, I think, is probably a good example of that, you know, where they actually listen in and artificial intelligence can measure uh, and also decipher the languaging to be to be coached. So so that's one. Um, the new yeah, the work that yeah the work that I'm all in his group at Patient Prism do uh, is really next level for sure. Oh for sure, and it it has been around for a little bit, but still, um, I mean, you spend all this money marketing and you train your team, but if the the patients call but they never even get to the practice, they never make an appointment. So there's there's an opportunity there for some soft skill improvement that matches and works hand in hand with that with that technology. That's what I think is exciting is when you can match the soft skills with the technology. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. The most exciting that I think is uh, the artificial intelligence. And there's several companies now that, that do this um, that actually can diagnose radiographs. Radiographic, I won't say they diagnose, but they highlight it in such a way that um, it is fascinating what they can catch. So now instead of showing a patient their x-rays in black and white and gray, trying to show them what a cavity looks like in approximate decay between between two teeth, now you actually have a square around it. And the square is color-coded for incipient decay or deeper decay or like, wow, this is really close to the nerve. We need to fix this right away. And so that's based on thousands of dentists who have, you know, real live dentists who have diagnosed x-rays and artificial intelligence computes all that data and um, analogs it and create. And then, so when you bring your x-rays up, when you're, you know, integrated with them, it automatically shows the decay. And it also for you hygienists out there, it also shows the level of bone loss. So, you know, that's hard to show to an average patient. I mean, I was a hygienist clinically for years. I practiced and I thought I was pretty good at at explaining that to patients, but it was a, a constant challenge if you don't have that educated 
I, and honestly, I think they just would take your word for it. So right then it gets back to a matter of, of trusting you. So this new um, radiographic uh, diagnosis. Now, of course, the doctor has the ultimate say uh, as to whether, you know, that is indeed a cavity or not, or whether to go, go ahead and, and treat it. The cool thing about it is there's so much that we lose. I mean, overdiagnosing, I'm sure exists, but in my years of experience, it's very seldom, more often than not, is underdiagnosing. So um, this is just such a great opportunity. Some of these companies also can take all that information and let you know at the beginning of a day, who is due for x-rays? Who hasn't had six-point probing in the appropriate amount of time? Uh, who needs crowns? It's already been diagnosed. It's been treatment plan, but it hasn't been done. So um, the artificial intelligence, the, the information that we're getting now, I suspect that that uh, technology is going to become standard, just standard. There would be no reason for you not to have it very shortly. I mean, people are predicting two or three years. I think it may be sooner than that. Because as you mentioned, the technology just keeps exponentially going faster and faster. You know, as human beings, the older we get, the slower we get. (laughs) And the faster the machines get. (laughs) Yes, the older it gets, the quick, the faster it gets. Yeah. And you're talking about companies like Pearl and Overjet Overjet. that really, yeah, really are at the forefront of this technology. And it's really about the data and the analytics that it can pull from most of the PMS systems, the practice management systems that are out there. And it really is a significant aid um, in the process of dentistry and really what it shows and what you're talking about, right? So a black and white and gray radiograph that's up there, whether it's a Pano or a PA, and it's color coding it and outlining areas. Mm-hmm. And so for a layperson, a patient that's in the chair that can see it outlined with, you know, rectangles and hexagons and different shapes that you learned back in geometry that most of us <laughs> forgot about. Right. But it, and it's color coded. It really just it points it out and makes it pop off the screen so that rather than it being pointed out and having to put all of your trust in the clinician, it's an aid, a visual aid and a tool that enables the treatment planning coordinators, the office managers, the dentists, even the dental assistants, really everyone in the process to say, yes, I can see that. And it can be used actually as a training tool for those in dentistry. And I think that there's really just a, an endless amount of possibility for that. So thank you for bringing that forward. I think it's it's just an, a critical element of the conversation and, and part of the conversation. Well, and okay, not Janet. just, yeah, not please, just case acceptance for the patient. So you have to, you spend less time explaining the clinical part of it because right. you can see it, but also it's great for um, new clinicians, a young dentist, or maybe even a seasoned dentist that don't have good communication skills. Maybe that's not that's not their strength, or maybe they're they're reluctant. They're they're not they're, they they don't have the experience to be confident in diagnosing. Uh, so it's great for that as well. Yeah. So th- yeah, and thank you for that point of clarity. So it's an aid not only for case acceptance and, and treatment plans, but it's also an aid in clinical diagnosis. And and you pointed that out earlier, mm-hmm. but thank you for bringing that forward as well. So it's an aid in many different ways. Janet, this is the part of the program where all of my guests over all of the episodes play a little something called "What the Sleuth is Going On." So are you ready to play? It's three rapid fire questions. The first thing that comes to mind. Would you like to play? Are you ready? 
I guess. I have no choice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Question number one. What's the worst bad breath you've ever encountered? Oh, dear. (laughs) Um, Actually, it wasn't in the dental office. It was, um, I'll never forget, it was at a... um, an office supply store, the copy guy, I went to get some copies done and he smiled. And I mean, I could smell periodontal disease from across the counter. I just wanted to shake him, pick him up, stick him in my chair, put my mask on and get out that Cavitron. <laughs> then I love it. Jen. So many hygienists give me that type of response to that <laughs> question. I love it. Question number two, if you could change one thing about your smile, what would it be? Oh, gee. Um, oh, I won't I've got a crown that Jeopardy needs to get fame. It's not really a smile. I'm, I'm overdue for getting a crown redone. <laughs> you know, I, I might, know a, I might know a dentist. Yeah, I might, I, might, I might know a dentist or two. I've got a great one. I just need to get myself in there. <laughs> I know. We're, we're like the worst when it comes to that as patients, aren't we? <laughs> okay, question number three. If you could go back and be the inventor of any dental product, which one would you choose and why? Uh, well, yeah, I know the answer to this. Um, uh, I would do, I would invent a combination of the um, a, a peridot- periodontal probing and the um, the camera, the subgingival camera. So you could see on the screen what you're doing. They have those now, but I would also want the probing included so you could see what you're doing. And also when you're probing, that would be revealed as well. Mm, I like it. Who out there is listening? Some some inventors out there listening. I get some good. That's a great answer. Thank you for playing. I appreciate it. So I want to respect your time and we're coming down to the last few minutes of, of the podcast. So, uh, is there anything I haven't asked or that you haven't shared yet that you'd like to share with my listening audience today? Um, yeah, I think I would like to just touch on the concept of storytelling, um, mm-hmm. how important soft skills are with technology. Um, there's just been a lot written about that. Uh, Jeff Colvin, who's one of the editors of Fortune Magazine, touches on this a lot in some of the work that he's done. But, you know, the more technology technologically oriented we become, the more there's going to be a need for soft skills, things like empathy, relationship building, and storytelling. And you think storytelling, that doesn't make sense. That's awfully fluffy. But that is one of the most powerful strategies that you can use as a clinician to share with your patients. If you can give them a story about my mother, my patient, my husband, this was his experience and feel felt found. This is how he felt when he went in, uh, but he found that this was the result. Those are the kinds of things that, you know, being intimidated by technology, a patient's going to hear those simple everyday stories and go, wow, I can relate to that. That sounds like, that sounds just like me. So when we hear stories, we become part of it. And so I think those go a really long way hand in hand with the technology. We've, we've, we've got to, we've got to learn and remember our soft skills as we go into these um, new technological ages. Yeah, I absolutely. And it, answers the question in the patient's mind or gives them that sense of, yeah, I can relate to that. 
I can relate to what you're saying. Exactly. And it goes both ways too, yeah. right? And that's the relatable piece. And it harkens back to what you said earlier in the very beginning that the communication still skills right up stills, communication skills right up front that we're communicating in emojis and with devices rather than with our words. Mm-hmm. And that's really where what you teach and what you train and where you started foundationally in your book and you're doing it on webinars and podcasts and with, you know, all that you're doing in your training of dental teams is all about some basic foundational communication skills. And sometimes it really goes back to, you know, what we learned foundationally many decades ago and bringing it into the present and bringing it forward. Yes, technology is fantastic and we can utilize that in many ways, but to not forget that human touch, that human experience that is so critical. Absolutely, absolutely. And you asked me to mention this and I will mention it before before we go. And that is, um, I'm using going to be using technology to create a series of videos that um, if a practice doesn't want me to come in personally or is trying to figure out how to make that happen, they can get the videos series and watch a different module, you know, during their lunch hour, or they can take a Friday afternoon off and watch the whole thing. And I can zoom in for some, you know, customized coaching. But I think this is going to go a long way to um, get more of my work out out there in um in a way that more people can access it. And it's it's so important, the message that you have and the skills that you have to be able to share it with more people and being able to meet clinicians, meet teams, meet them where they're at in yeah. whatever platform. And I think that's great. And I'm, and DSOs, I'm really excited and to And DSOs, to have of something course, consistent groups. as they yes. scale. Absolutely. And in that vein, Janet, so where can people find you? How can people find you? My website is janethagerman.com, Janet, J-A-N-E-T, Hagerman, H-A-G-E-R-M-A-N, janethagerman.com is my website. And uh, you're welcome to email me at janet at janethagerman.com. Beautiful. And we'll make sure that gets in the show notes as well. So if anybody happens to be driving, running, skiing, skydiving and listening to the episode and whatever platform they are and aren't able to write that down, we'll make sure you have access to that as well. Thank you so much, Janet, for being on the episode of the Tooth Sleuth podcast. Everybody, this has been Janet Hagerman, the case acceptance coach. Thank you so much, Janet. Thank you, Greg. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Tooth Sleuth podcast sponsored by GNA Consult, helping dentists and dental professionals maximize their potential. From vision to execution, creating business strategies that work. Reach out to the show to get more information. Signing off for now, I'm Greg Essenmacher. I thank you for your time and the pleasure of your company. And remember to keep smiling. This podcast was produced by T-Door Productions. Theme song written by The Whole Other.